Welcome to Women Made New. I'm your host, Kristalina Everett. Thank you for joining me today. Well, everyone, Lent is literally around the corner. I feel like we just got through Christmas and it's already Lent and it just seems like everything is going so fast. Or maybe it's just me and my crazy life that I live. But with that being said, it's a time right now to prepare, to prepare our hearts, to prepare our mind, and maybe look at the fruits in your life. And not just look at the good fruits, because that's what we all want to look at, right? And that's so easy to do. And all the wonderful blessings that God has given us, because if you really take time and you contemplate, Everyone has had blessings in some way, shape, or form that God has given you. And maybe that blessing comes in overcoming an addiction or a vice or a sin, or maybe you're getting better in your marriage or your relationship with your children, or maybe you moved and got a better job. Whatever it may be in your life, we all have some good fruits that we can thank God for. But what I would like you to do, and maybe today, is to contemplate where are the rotten fruits in your life? Where is the rot? Where is it kind of festering or hiding? Or where have you shoved it down that you don't want to deal with it? You don't want to see it. You want to act like it's not there, out of sight, out of mind. To really focus on maybe that rotten fruit that is in your life. And maybe that is a vice. Maybe that is a relationship. Maybe it's a relationship with your own children or a family member or Maybe it's just straight up problems with your relationship with God. And as you contemplate about that, look at that and maybe focus on whatever the antidote is for that rot in your life and focus on that during Lent. And there are a lot of things that we can do during Lent. There's a lot of devotionals. There's a lot of prayers. But at the end of the day, what is separating you from God? What is separating you from the things you know he's asking you to do or things in your life you know should not be there that is allowing that rotten fruit to stay in your life? So whatever that is, maybe start thinking about that, preparing your heart, preparing your mind, getting a plan and taking this Lent that is coming upon us very fast, actually take this Lent very seriously and to really think and take self-examination, which, hey, it's not easy. It's hard. I don't want to do it. And I'm thinking, oh no, what's God going to reveal now? And some things are just in my face I know I need to deal with. But no, it's not easy. But just know you're not the only one. We all have struggles. We all have problems. We all have serious things happening in our lives right now. And maybe there are even things you're just ashamed of. And frankly, it doesn't need to be everybody's business. That's God's business. But that's something that you need to deal with with yourself and with God. So maybe just contemplate, start thinking about it this week, prepare yourself because it is coming. And if you start preparing now, this Lent truly can be a Lent um, that has been the best Lent of your life and the most spiritual growth that you've ever had in your life. And I truly believe in this time of this Eucharistic revival, there's so many special graces right now that people are getting and receiving and just spending that time with Jesus. And He wants your undivided attention and he's calling all people to himself right now. So give that to him. Even if it's five minutes stopping in an adoration chapel today, it's Saturday. Some of you have all weekend. Give some time to Jesus because he's calling you. He wants to talk to you and he has something to say to you. So with that being said, we are going to get on to our awesome guest, Lillian Fallon. She is just so inspiring and wonderful. And she is going to talk about her new book, Theology of Style. So stay tuned. Welcome to Women Made New. I'm your host, Kristalina Everett. Thank you for joining me. Today, we have Lillian Fallon. Thank you for being here, Lillian, here at Women Made New. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. So I really wanted to just get into your new book, Theology of Style. And when you think 
of theology, you don't put style in that whatsoever. Because when you think of theology, (laughs) you think about God and just, it's even a big term for some people when it comes to faith. It's an intimidating word, right? But I love that you weren't afraid of it. You embraced it and you put it out there along with style because it's so true because isn't our faith and theology of how we live in our everyday living, our entire lifestyle that we embrace day in, day out, even with our clothes. Exactly. And our faith is so sacramental that the material and the divine are constantly coming together. So when we pay reverence to the things that we wear, it really has a lot of uh, theological significance to it. So what made you write this book? Yeah. So for years, I loved fashion. As a kid, I was always doing fashion, like drawings, watching fashion week, but I didn't know how it corresponded with my faith. And I thought that maybe it would even be something that was materialistic or superficial. But luckily, I went to Ave Maria University, and I took a theology of the body course. And that really just completely changed my perspective on the human person. And uh, when St. John Paul II explained that the body manifests the soul and can make visible the invisible, it made me immediately think about the things that we wear And that the things that we put on our bodies can aid in the manifestation of the soul. And so instead of fashion and style being this superficial and like silly girly thing that I was interested in, it was actually something that could be a tool for understanding how God made us, that he made us body and soul, and that you can't separate those two things. Um, And so I was like, I really want to find a way to write about this so that it's applicable and also helps women to understand exactly how they were made um, in God's image. So, so yeah, I was just really on fire for it. I, I moved to New York City after college and I worked at Verily Magazine as a style editor. And I worked also a little bit in the fashion industry after that. And I really felt like there was such a need for women to understand their inherent worth and personal style has been such a helpful tool for me in understanding my worth. So I just wanted to create a book that would also help others. So how does this book help them in like, let's say they're going shopping and they need to find an outfit for a wedding or prom, (laughs) you know, things like how (laughs) can this book apply to those hard choices? Because sometimes it Mm -hmm. honestly isn't easy. There's so many more options out there now um, than there has been in regards to modesty, but it still can Mm -hmm. be a bit of a challenge. Yeah. So I really wanted the book to do a lot of that foundational work of helping us to understand exactly how God made us. Um, So what does it mean to be made in his image and what are we called to and what are we made for? Um, Because if we do that groundwork of understanding that we're unrepeatable, one of a kind individuals, um, it impacts your personal style. So for, for me, when I got really caught up in trends, when I lived in New York city, it's kind of hard to actually escape the desire to be trendy and fit in. Um, I lost that sense of individuality. Mm. And when I went back to studying St. John Paul II and his works, um, the quote that he is really famous for, which is that every human person is unique and called for a by name from eternity. That was such a, that was just such a lightning moment for me when I was like, wait a minute, I am made unique and one of a kind. God says that, you know, he wanted me to exist. So that for me, I was like, okay, well then I should dress in a way that communicates that. And then after that, my personal style can develop from that knowledge that, that first, that first knowledge of knowing that God made me. Um, so in the book, I really try and go through, okay, what is it? First of all, is personal style, a legitimate artistic expression? Um, is it something that is silly or is it something that St. John Paul II would have been on board with? And uh, I go through a lot of reasons why I think that. Um, And then I go through the psychology of personal style and how even there are psychologists who talked about how the clothing is an extension of the human body, of the human person. 
You know, I would say that. That's very true. Because when I was living that crazy lifestyle, the clothes I wear now are like night and day from when I would go to clubs or out with my friends or I wanted to fit in, like you said, right? So Mm -hmm. it absolutely is an extension of where you are at in your faith walk. Oh, yeah, totally. And when I was so looking for affirmation from the world when I was working in fashion, um, I just was wearing clothing that almost erased my individuality and Mm. made me just look to look to affirmation from the eyes of the world rather than affirmation from the eyes of God. And when I stopped subscribing to the trends and wanting to be somebody in the fashion industry, that was when my personal style actually started flourishing. And it became from this, it came from this real place of creativity. So whenever I talk to young girls about their style, I really encourage them to be, be creative. You are creative, especially as women. It's in our nature to be creative, but physically we are creative and God shares that creativity with us on purpose as women. It's a part of our feminine nature. So when we dress in a way that expresses creativity and individuality, it is really it's sharing to the world, but also to ourselves that we are so beloved and special to God. And I think that at the core of so many of our problems with our worth comes from that place of not knowing or not believing that we are wanted and that we are loved and that God has from the beginning desired to be with us for all eternity. Um, And so with personal style, whenever I talk to young girls, it's like wear things that remind you of that truth that you are infinitely loved and wanted for forever. Um, and it seems like something that's like superficial, like, oh, you go shopping and you buy clothes and it's like, oh, it's really not about acute outfits, about reminding yourself of what you are called for. It sounds like when, at least what I took from that is what, when you were living kind of that lifestyle of trying to be trendy and fitting in, and we've all done it, right? We all have done it. Some of you out there listening are still doing that right now. Um, it sounds almost like the culture suffocates who we really are. Almost. Totally. Wants us to be cookie cuttered, wants us to say, okay, well, this is what's next. So go buy it. This is how it's going to be. Oh my gosh, this yes. is what the trend is. This is who you are. And if you're outside of our box we created for you, well, mm-hmm. then basically you're a loser. <laughs> right? Is that yes. what I'm getting? Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, we see that in the fashion magazines where it's like 10 must have items. And if you're not wearing this, or if you're wearing something from last season, then like you, you are not relevant and not cool. And like, it's, they want to make money off of us. You know, we're like commodities to the industry of fashion. Um, and when a truly Catholic belief is that we are like, we are so one of a kind and that we don't, we aren't called to fit in with everybody. As Catholics, we're called to stand out and uh, be a voice in the wilderness. And um, when we dress in a way that proclaims how beautiful and unique we are, that causes others around us to look at us and say, wow, okay, they're, they're expressing a beauty of their internal that is really pointing to where, where did it come from? Because I talk a lot about in, in my book about how all beauty points towards the divine. And when we encounter a cathedral or artwork or even a beautiful sunset, it makes us think, wow, where, like, what is the source of this beauty? And as women, we have this opportunity to wear things that when those encounter us and they encounter who we, who God has made us to be, it makes them think of who created this person. Um, So it could really be an evangelizing thing, too. Again, we are here with Lillian Fallon, and we are discussing her book, Theology of Style. And one thing I think that is being missed is that message and that belief, Lillian, of we are unique. We are our own individual person that no one is is replicates us right yeah and i am unrepeatable i have no competition on this planet walking that is living Uh, breathing me crystallina there is no competition here but i love that the way you said that yes no competition I, I, i there well, I heard a pastor actually say, a woman I was listening to, and it was so beautiful, and I never heard it that way. And it made so much sense to me that we are without rival, 
because mm, to have yeah. a rival is someone that is equal to who you are or equal to what you have or I have no rival. There's no one equal to me. I am my own. I'm my own fingerprint, yeah. basically, right? And so yes. I think in this cutthroat culture that we live in of competing, one-upping, and being better than um, kind of defeats that way of thinking. Uh, so absolutely, absolutely. Um, I love I love that. There is no competition because you are the only one who is you. Like, there's no one who's come before you who is just like you. There's no one who's going to come after you yes. who is just like you. Um, and when we're online and we're on Instagram, TikTok, we're constantly seeing people who like, there's this weird assimilation. Have you noticed that, um, there's kind of, they talk about like Instagram face where girls are getting plastic surgery to sort of just look like each other. Mm. Um, yeah, it's people, the uniqueness of the human person physically is being diminished in our culture where they're chipping away at the things that make them who they are, the history of, you know, their family lineage and all of their um, characteristics. And it, yeah, I think that, I think that the voice of the devil is saying, Hey, like you aren't special to anyone. Like you just need to be seen as a commodity to, to, you know, the social media or to, in worst cases, to sexual appetites. Um, and it tries to erase, the devil tries to erase that message that God has specifically made you as you are and wants to be with you forever in eternity. You know, it sounds like women and, well, men, I just, our culture in general is literally trading the message of you are loved, you are unique to the counterfeit of, well, you want to fit in and you want to be like mm -hmm. us and to be wanted and to be a part of like the group almost, to be yes. like a part of something where they feel like they're wanted, but they're not being wanted as themselves. They're being wanted as that yeah. counterfeit fake, right? And right. I think if the devil can distract us enough from us not embracing that we have a mission, that we have a plan, that we are unique in who God made us and no one can repeat the mission that we have. And maybe if we don't fulfill that mission in a different way, shape or form, but it would never be the same. Right. And if women mm -hmm. can actually embrace the gifts that God gave them, embrace and not be afraid of that uniqueness that he has given them as that beautiful gift that we are a force to be reckoned with when we are in sync with with all of that and our relationship mm -hmm. with God. And I think that scares the devil. And I think that yes. we can weaponize in a spiritual way <laughs> mm -hmm. who we are in that uniqueness. And if the devil can't handicap us in that, well, the battle's half won, right? Totally. Well, our culture has replaced social that I guess like the government or uh, social affirmation that that's kind of replaced who God is in our culture, you know? Um, people look to the popular opinion for the, Hey, you're doing a good job. Like you're a good person instead of looking to God to affirm, Hey, you are doing good. Like you are, yeah, you're on the right track. Um, and so when you have the popular culture kind of just like take over and tell us this is, this is what's acceptable. This isn't what's acceptable. Then of course it's going to be like, Oh, well, I have to do what the culture says to kind of give me the check mark of approval because that's what I view as God now. How did you break free from that when you were in New York and trying to be trendy and fit in and just kind of like, because I'm sure there was a level of just insecurity and just like, okay, just kind of mapping your life out there, right? And just kind of like totally. going with the flow. I, I see that. And you're kind of just in the beginning trying to fit in. But how did you break free from that? Because a lot of people in their life just snowball and they don't yeah. break free, but you did. So how did you do that? I was really unhappy at the core of it all. I kind of had everything that I thought I wanted, which was this fabulous New York City lifestyle. And I still, at the end of the day, would be praying for more things, but it wasn't really praying. It was just kind of, I want, I want, I want. And there's this big moment for me where I was walking down the street and I was passing a, a building that had mirrored glass. And as I looked for myself in the crowd, I could not find myself. I was just completely lost oh amidst all of the bodies. I just didn't stand out anymore. Um, and it took me, it took me aback and it was kind of that like wake up moment. 
where I realized that I had really lost myself because I was just trying to fit in with the crowd. But I, I, the girl who used to wear vintage 1950s poodle skirts <laughs> to, to school and that girl was gone. And what was replaced was this monochromatic, uh, clone of everybody else in New York. And my spiritual life also was just really lacking. Um, I had no concept of my self-worth or my value because I was, I needed to be someone in New York in order to have worth. And since I was mm. trying to climb and be that person and it wasn't happening for me, of course, I felt like garbage. Um, so what I did was I completely stopped shopping fast fashion. Uh, it was a cold turkey type of a situation. And I stopped reading the magazines. I stopped looking at the style influencers online. Um, and I kind of went back to basics of okay, how can I find things that actually affirm to myself that I am one of a kind and loved by God? So I did that. But then I also, New York is as New York does. And I was like laid off from my job. Um, I was struggling to survive in New York. And God kind of stripped me of everything that I thought made up my worth, which was, you know, being a cool fashion New York City girl. And I was back at home at my parents and just trying to survive. Um, and so I had to pray a lot and pray for guidance. And eventually that prayer did lead me to a job at my favorite fashion label, but it was like a very like short gig. And I thought it was my big break. And I prayed the St. Joseph Novena to secure me a permanent job at that label. But by the time I was done working with them on and off for like different fashion weeks and photo shoots, I came to the conclusion that I actually did not want to work in New York anymore because I saw how they treated the people around them or, and that also that they were just creating insanely expensive items for people who didn't actually need them. It was just this exorbitant wealth that was so missing the mark. Um, and like they were creating things just for like the 1%. And, but I still felt like there was a need for women to use clothing as a way to help them in their day-to-day -day lives. Um, so I broke away. God kind of like pushed me, dude. Like he was sort of like, <laughs> God was like, okay, girl, like <laughs> I know you really want to work here and I know you want to survive and succeed in this industry, but Hey, let me really show you what this is like. And then I'm going to let you decide if you want to continue. And I had this big moment. I was at a photo shoot and it was this, it was like all week we had been preparing for this photo shoot, famous model, um, famous photographer, famous designer label. It was, it was like the biggest deal. And in the middle of the shoot, the designer asked me to go babysit her kid at, uh, a, um, playground and to take him out for ice cream, which was like fine. But also at the same time, I missed the entire photo shoot that I had been working on. And as I was walking with the sweet little boy back to the photo shoot, realizing that like I had missed the shoot that I had been working on the team with all week, I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't have to do this. I don't want to be in this anymore. And I felt so released. And then I felt God pulling me to write. And um, I prayed specifically for direction. And while I was in a church praying, this was like a few months down the road, um, he very much like spoke to me and told me that I'm a writer, so I need to write. And I decided to dive into theology of the body through this lens of personal style. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, I guess, <laughs> I, I think that like, I went into like the story a little bit more than you wanted me to, but <laughs> no, but, yeah, that that's basically was, it. <laughs> that was actually perfect. And I thank you, Lillian, for actually going that deep within yourself and telling and sharing your story. Because that is what I was looking for. That's what oh, I wanted to hear because it's so beautiful, the fact that God's like, okay, Lillian, go do what you want. I'm going to watch you. I'm going to let you do your thing. And I'm going to sit here and wait for you. And isn't that what he does? He just is like, yeah. okay, go. Just, just you yeah. have at that. And then you he, see, girl. Yep. Yes. And then he always is pursuing us, though in the midst of our running away from him. He's always oh, yeah. <laughs> calling us back. He's always pursuing us because we are a part of him. And 
he never leaves us alone. And he'll let us fall as far as we want to go, but still through the fall, he's with us, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's always our decision to pick ourselves up show up to our fight and listen to the small, still voice of him calling us back. Right. Exactly. Yep. It was, he led me there on purpose. And I also think that St. Joseph was very instrumental because he's St. Joseph, the worker. And I prayed the the novena to find employment. And I was really leaning on St. Joseph. And when he brought me to the dream job and then I, of my own, just like, ponderings and realization came to like, Oh, I actually don't want to do this. Mm. I I could almost, I could almost feel him being like, yeah, (laughs) yeah. You might say that. It's almost like, well, I'll bring you to McDonald's, I guess, but I have something so much more for you. So you just go have at that and then you can come back and I have something much better. Right. Isn't that how we live sometimes? Exactly. I would have never thought that I would be giving talks at like Catholic conferences about personal style and theology, the body and how much God loves you. Um, I would have never thought that I'm living back in my hometown, sort of, I have this wonderful apartment that I love. I have a job at my diocese that I love. Um, I am so happy where I am in my life, like so happy and so grateful. But if you had told me back when I was struggling in the New York city scene that I wouldn't be living in like a penthouse apartment in New York city, I'd be like, okay, cool. Like where's the nearest like bridge. Um, (laughs) but now it's like, oh my God, we have to trust like in the pitfalls of our life, like the suffering, like the deep valleys where we're like, God, where are you? What is the guidance here? I don't understand. I'm suffering. This is so hard. We have to (laughs) hold on, you know, hold on. Because you're going to be led to a place where you're far happier than you would have that your own plans would have you could have ever conceived. You know, I really I truly believe that if I was in some fancy apartment and jet setting to Paris and blah, 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 I know that there would be a void and a hole in me. Um, And I'm so grateful that God has led me to a place of greater fulfillment. Oh, again, we are here with Lillian Fallon talking about her amazing, awesome book, Theology of Style. And we are going to take a quick break with our friends over at EWTN, and we will be right back. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Women Made New. I'm your host, Kristalina Everett. Thank you for joining me. And for those of you just tuning in, we are here with Lillian Fallon, and we are discussing her awesome new book, Theology of Style. And can you give my listeners just a quick recap for those of that have just tuned in of just a little bit of background of your story? Yes. So... I was always in love with personal style and fashion, didn't know how it made sense with my Catholic faith. Luckily, I went to Ave Maria University, studied theology of the body, and it shed light on the expression of the human person as being both body and soul. And so um, I worked in New York a little bit, and now I have a different mission, a totally different mission than working in the fashion industry that's all about combining theology of the body with personal style. I, I love that you combine the two. <laughs> I think it's it's confusing at first for a lot of women, but at the same time, it's yeah. like, wait, there is something to this. And you just told us your beautiful yeah. story, almost like a deep conversion that you had while you were working oh, yeah. at a label and almost had your dream job. But the one mm-hmm. thread throughout all of that that I know that we all experience, right, on some level is those small, still whispers in our heart Mm -hmm. of God kind of directing us and showing us what and where we need to go, what we need to do. Um, And I know some people are like, well, I don't hear God. I don't hear that. And I I say this almost every one of my shows, Lillian, I'm like, well, I don't believe you because you know if (laughs) you should be doing something or not doing something. You know if you're lying to that person or not. You have a conscience because it's intrinsically built in you. You cannot get rid of it. You can numb it and you can avoid it and you can try to shut it up, but it's there to lead and guide Mm -hmm. you. And I tell my kids that is your compass. 
just listen and follow that and God will bless you. And I love how you're talking about how happy and fulfilled you are right now in what you're doing and you're in the will of God. And that is truly where we are going to find our happiness, our peace and our joy because we're living out what we were created to do and to be, right? But my question yeah. for you is cuz there is there's a thing about happiness. You want to be happy, happy. And if we're not happy, well we need to find that thing, that fix, right? That's going to mm-hmm. make us happy. But I would kind of challenge that word happy and replace it almost with like peace. Because yeah. you can be happy joy. and joy mm-hmm. cuz it's temporary, but it's so different and it's and it's like the polar opposite of being peaceful and joyful because I feel like happiness yeah. is really fading and it's like this moment in these moments. Yeah. But peace Fleeting. and joy, mm-hmm. yeah, are very just they're just steady and they last. Even if you're in the midst of a situation or something God's asking you to do that you don't want to, there still is this peace, right? Oh my gosh. Yes. So I have so much to say on that. Um when I was basically unemployed. I was doing freelance stuff. This was after I discerned basically out of the fashion industry. And I was like, God, what am I called to What that? You led me to this place. I'm supposed, I was supposed to be fashion girl my whole life. And now I'm answering this redirection and, but I don't really know where you want me to go. Like what now, if I'm not going to work in fashion, then who the heck am I? And that led to about a year or two, maybe two years, a year or so of uh, weird, like not necessarily desolation, but real confusion and um, a lot of like nothingness. I remember when my prayer, I would be like, God, you just desire nothing for me. What is going on? Like I'm at my parents' house. I'm in my high school bedroom. I'm going to Walmart for fun. What is happening? Um, and so I, I really in that quote unquote nothingness and the suffering that I was feeling of where's my worth coming from? Like if I don't have these things bolstering it of like being cool fashion, New York city girl, um, I started praying fiercely. Uh, I was praying the rosary every day. Um, I was praying novenas constantly. And even in the midst of a lot of pain of loss of my identity, I felt so much joy just because I felt so close to God during that time. It was weird because I went from, you know, what you were saying, spikes of happiness of like living in New York and doing cool things um, to this suffering, but then joy in the suffering because I felt really close to God when I, when I was, you know, basically brought to my knees and just praying and like crying and praying the rosary. Um, and when that, all of that turmoil and confusion of where I'm supposed to be in life, uh, I just very distinctly remember going to mass and, um, kneeling. And I think it was, uh, it was either during mass or right after mass I'm, I'm praying. And that was when I was like kneeling. I was like, God, what do you want from me? Where am I supposed to go? And that was when I heard the voice, um, that said, you're a writer, so right. And it was in that moment that all of that stress and tension and fear, just really like a lot of fear, um, that was lifted off my shoulders. And I felt that, oh, this is what I, this is what God is asking me to do. And all of those months of anxiety and fear that was gone. And I have not felt that anxiety or fear since then. And that was years ago. Um, and so I felt like I'd been given this mission. And so I got to work. I started researching. I started writing. I started the whole process. And I, and I did not feel that anxiety anymore. I felt only peace. Um, but I would not have been able to get to that point unless I was brought to my knees and had to be stripped of all of those things that I was still holding onto that I thought would make me happy, but actually didn't. You know, it's, it's it really is the right word that you said is stripped because I feel like when you're immersed in the world like you were and in that New York lifestyle and just mm-hmm. like the devil's just like kind of leading you along <laughs> right deeper and deeper down yeah. that hole. Mm-hmm. There's a time when you come out of it and you answer that call and you just know what you need to do. 
there almost is a season of that desolation of uh, stripping, of a shedding of the world. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there has to be a time in a person's life, and I've experienced it on different levels in my own life, Lillian, of just Mm -hmm. having to be stripped of the world in in the sense of my way of thinking, my my clothes, what I'm listening to, like God is really stripping you of who you were in the world and kind of it's almost like you become this new person in him in the spiritual realm too. And it's yeah, not on I felt the raw. Yes. And it's not on the outside of us, right? Of that we're always looking, looking, looking. That's why there's always a void. But actually what mm-hmm. we're looking for is within. And there totally. is this time of stripping and pruning and the suffering of having to like take all of that off of you. It's hard. It's very hard and it's uh, humbling yeah. and you don't have <laughs> so an identity. Humbling. You don't have an identity in the stripping oh, oh, and the yes. pruning because God is stripping you of who you thought you were and the yes. devil was speaking to you. But when you come out the other side of that, everyone, and it's hard and the only way is through. There's no shortcuts. There's no way around. Yeah. <laughs> the only way is through. But there is another side. There, it is yes. temporary. But when you come out on the other side you know to a certain extent who you are, you have direction, you have mission, you have peace, you're living mm-hmm. in the will of God, and he is with you, right? And and, oh, yeah. and you can always go to prayer. And if you don't know, you wait to hear on God. But through that suffering, I feel like in the end, right, it's mm-hmm. not for nothing that you actually were able to Pick the fruit from the tree of your suffering, and I'm holding it in my hand, and it's your book. <laughs> and it yeah. is the theology of style, and he gave you mission. So there's there's yeah. reason in the pruning and the suffering and what you had to go through and going back home and being in your high school room and all of that because he had to bring you back to ground zero almost and let's start over. Oh, yeah. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And like the things when I was writing the book, I am also my reader. Like... <laughs> I'm writing my book about where does your worth actually come from? Like that was all stuff that as I was writing it was being seeped into me as well. Um, It was very instrumental in my own personal growth. And then in being able to give talks or write this book and encounter young women, I get to relate with them. You know, I'm not writing this book from this like, hmm, yes, I've studied theology of the body and I'm a, I'm a professor. Um, I am you. <laughs> yeah. Like I am, I am you too. And when we, when I meet young girls who are, have resonated with what I've written, I'm like, girl, like, yes. Like, that's why I'm like, I am your big sister. I get it. <laughs> um, and it means the world to me, especially to talk to young girls, like the, like middle schoolers to say, to tell them like, you are so one of a kind and God from the beginning thought of you. He thought of you personally and he still thinks of you. And he consistently all at all moments is has his eyes fixed on you and being able to speak that into young girls. Um, it's just, wow. Like that is probably the most powerful part and of what I get to do and what I look forward to the most. I love that. And helping raise that next generation of young women in that worth and their value that God has for them, right? And that everyone has yeah. a seat at God's table. No one's taking yeah. my seat. No one's taking your seat. It is yours. <laughs> no one can replace you. No, no, it's yours and yours alone. But we have to show up yes. to the table, right? Yes. And uh, I yeah. love that. And it's and it's really not about one upping each other or competition. And women do that with their clothes, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's really yeah. about women <laughs> helping women, not one upping yes. each other and being better than the other and having something to prove. Because at the end of the day, that's a big wound that woman has to deal with. Yes. Yeah. Constantly feeling like another person is more worthy than they are to have a seat at the table um, and that they will be chosen over them. But you've already been chosen. Yes. And that's what women don't understand. And that the devil can keep us on that level of hurting and holding each other back. I mean, like I said, he's won half the battle already, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, now when it comes to style, let's get back to the style part of all of this. 
When yeah. you think of style and theology and, and the Catholic faith, a lot of the women go to, well, and I think it's just our upbringing and why we think this. And it's just a lie that is, I think, goes down through generations in the Catholic Church mm-hmm. of you have to be frumpy, unstylish, wearing baggy clothes, <laughs> yeah. T-shirts and the jean skirt. You know, that's yeah. just the yeah. staple. And then if you do that, well, OK, then you're holy. But my clothes don't make me holy. My car doesn't make me holy. My relationship yeah. with Jesus makes me holy. But can you kind of speak to that lie that, I mean, fashion is a vanity and it's vain because I I don't believe that, but I want to hear it from you. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that was my struggle for years. I thought that me loving this expression of self through clothing inherently made me superficial because we all, you know, we hear, um, you know, the parable of the young rich man and it's like, okay, you got to leave your, your material things and kind of go for the sackcloth look and that will make you more virtuous. Um, but I think it's specifically as women and as lay people, there is a really important element of dressing in a way that communicates the beauty of your identity and also your femininity. Um, and that, I mean, if, if we're Catholic, cause really it's Catholic to have that standpoint. I think it's a puritanical position to be like, oh, we need to strip everything of beauty or we need to kind of have everything be like the monotone or frumpy to detract from yourself, detract from your body. Um, But I mean, we walk into our churches and they are gilded and beautiful because they're meant to like, you know, obviously be the house of God, but also they make us contemplate the divine. And like I said earlier, whenever we encounter beauty, it makes us think of where did this beauty come from? What is the source of it? Like it, it is God. <laughs> um, and so when we dress in a way that similarly expresses beauty, that is so important for our role in the world. Um, and like I said before, especially as women, beauty is such a wonderful part of our evangelizing power because all beauty, like I said, all beauty points towards the divine. The divine is home. Uh, the divine heaven is home. And so when we're wearing things that similarly express that beauty, and even like as women, people find shelter in women, people find a home in women, not just like, you know, you know, uh, in how pretty we are, but in our hearts. Um, and when we express ourselves and make visible that intangible beauty of the human soul, the feminine soul, um, that is just so powerful. It can really change the world. Like, you know, the quote, beauty will save the world. Um, I think that as Catholics, we really have to prioritize maintaining beauty. I think it's a part of evangelization. And also we want our Catholic faith to also look good and that we are happy. Yeah. We are taking care of ourselves. Like God doesn't want us just, yeah. you know, <laughs> I think there's something to say of how you dress, how you look, how you, how you act and you treat everyone else. But um, let's be honest, mm-hmm. people are attracted to beauty. And when there's a piece yes. that kind of surrounds you, um, that's all, all the more better, you know, but looking like right. you're a tired, frumpy housewife is not going to cut it. You know, it just doesn't. Right. Well, the dignity. Yeah. The dignity of the human person is being communicated through how you dress. And I'm and... not knocking those housewives either. <laughs> Let me just say that because, hey, you're like, I, wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. Let me retract because I used to, I've done that. I've done that before. And I know what that's like. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, when I was frumpy and I wasn't taking care of myself, I was miserable. I was not yeah. happy. And so when you say how you dress and what what you wear, it is an extension of what's going on internally, comes out externally, is very true. Mm-hmm. Because there have been times in my life where I've been overwhelmed. I've been depressed. I've been just like, it's too much. And motherhood was overtaking me. And I know yeah. those moments. So I'm not knocking the moms that are there right now. But it does matter and affect who you are, even just your mood when you are a little more put together than throwing your hair up in a bun and wearing something frumpy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I will. I will also say that like a part of my stripping process and being raw also was a stripping of my appearance. And when I was Mm. in my sweats and in my messy bun and, um, you know, not chic Lily, I 
had to really commit to the fact that I have worth regardless of how I look. Mm, yep. Um, because I was using style and clothing as a way to prove to the world that I had worth and to kind of be like, see, I'm cute. And therefore I have a place at the table here in, you know, popular culture. Um, but when I lost all of that, I lost the New York city lifestyle and I'm at my parents' house in sweats, like with greasy hair, I was like, God, do I still have worth even though I look like this? Mm. And so in an interesting way, I almost, I had to challenge myself to go out in my frumpy clothes, my, like my, uh, my sweats and whatnot, and kind of like say, Hey, I have worth no matter what. Like if I look like this, it's the same as when I'm wearing my snazziest outfit. I still am deserving of respect and I have dignity that cannot change. Um, so it's interesting cause it's like, we can sometimes use personal style and clothing as a way to like make up our worth. And so it's so important to do the work first. And that's kind of like what the book sort of focuses on is like, where does your worth actually come from and how can style just be a tool in your tool belt to further affirm that for yourself, for that, for style, not to be the end goal, you know, cause it's not a book where you open it up and you're like, cool, now I have to go shopping and buy all these things so that like, I'm a good Catholic and this proves that I have worth. Um, it's more like, Hey, this is where you get your worth from. This can be something that helps you to know that every day. But if you choose not to do this, like your worth is the same. Um, so yeah, like it's, it's interesting because also the psychological connection at the same time is that, okay, yeah, I put on something and I feel more ennobled. Like I will put on a blazer and I feel sharp. I feel like ready to take on the day. So there is that two way street of that relationship uh, with the things that we wear. So so yeah, <laughs> I feel like clothes can almost be a fake armor that we put on ourselves that yeah. we've worth, we have value and almost a costume that no one could actually see what's really going on with us. Yeah, it depends. It's interesting because it's like if you are letting your clothes define who you are, the clothing becomes a costume. But if you're defining what the clothes are, like if you're defining your style based on who you are, then it's then you're not the clothes aren't wearing you, mm. if that makes sense. Yes. Like, um, are you wearing the clothes or the clothes wearing you? I like that. I yeah, like that a lot. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So if you do the work beforehand of really diving into where your worth comes from and that it's not something that you can put on, that your worth does not come from your clothes, um, then your style emerges from a real place of authenticity and creativity um, rather than it kind of being like a trendy or trying to fit in type of a thing. So in regards to let's talk about spiritual beauty for a moment. How much did the Eucharist and confession affect your life when you were going through um, that hard time? Oh, yeah. Wow, that's a really good question. Yeah, I haven't really I haven't thought of that, like in particular, I think that well, confession. <laughs> yeah, confession definitely was a lot of um, forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. I place all like my appearance has become a God to me. Um, for a long time, that was the confession. Um, I am so grateful that now that that has become not a frequent sin that I'm confessing (laughs) where I've valued my appearance more than anything. And I think it's really easy as young women to be scrolling online and obsessing over how these other beautiful women look and thinking, oh, if I just had this nose, if I just had these lips, if I just had this body, I would be better. And then we obsess over how can I get there? Um, So for me, that was something that I struggled with a lot with making my parents and that was my God. So in frequenting confession and trying to like not let that be a thing that I'm constantly confessing, um, it was, yeah, confession, very, very helpful. Um, and then the Eucharist, of course, like going to, when I would go to mass and be like pouring myself out before God and being like, oh my gosh, like what, what are you doing in my life? Like what is happening? Um, definitely being sustained by the Eucharist in holding on and following his call was very instrumental. Um, yeah. I yeah. think you just said it it sustained you. And that's what Jesus Mm -hmm. does. That is beautiful. I love that. 
that Jesus sustains you if you become Eucharistic. If you go to Mass, you receive him in communion, you're going to confession, you're striving because you're not the only one. There's so many people out there listening that they are still over years, over decades going to confession for the same darn sin, (laughs) right? And it's just like, oh my gosh, is this ever going to end? Am I ever going to overcome this? And what I'm finding in my own life, and I'm sure you have too with things you've overcome is that almost that vice or that evil thing that keeps coming after you time and time again, the antidote is always the opposite of what you're being tempted with, right? Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's difficult, but like if you struggle with anger and, and mouthing off, it's your silence that is going to overcome that. And that's just yeah. linked with pride or if it's slothfulness or whatever it is. Like the Catholic Church really does have the antidote to overcome any addiction, any vice, anything coming at you. But I think the whole key to it is just showing up to our fight, is listening to that small, still voice. And that's hard when you get knocked down so many times, wouldn't you say? Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, when I was going through that period of like, God, what do you want from me? Like, what the heck? What? I was mad, too. Like, I was so angry for the that year of kind of, Mm. Hey, okay. I'm going to like, let you, uh, we're going to do the stripping. You're going to be raw. You're going to learn a lot from this. You're going to write a lot of articles about this. Um, I was so mad at God, Mm. but I was like, Oh, fine. I'm just going to keep on showing up and I'm going to keep on praying. (laughs) Um, but then, well, actually, you know what, at one point I was like, you know what, I'm done praying. And so I like, I held my prayers hostage, which was like stupid. Um, and I, when I went to confession, I told the priest, I was like, yeah, I've been holding my prayers hostage. I was like, you know what, God, if you're not going to answer my prayers, I'm just not going to pray anymore. Um, and he was like, um, who's that really hurting? <laughs> like, ah, yeah. who, who's really hurting in this scenario? And I was like, <laughs> I guess me. Um, but I even, so like I stopped praying for a chunk of time and I was still going to mass and stuff. Um, but then but then God was, it was such a funny moment. Cause then God like gave me a gift. And then I felt so stupid for like having held all of those prayers hostage and, you know, being kind of like throwing a temper tantrum essentially. Um, and then I really realized how much I needed him, uh, in a day to day way, you know, and that he's not against me. He's suffering with me. You know, mm-hmm. like, I think a lot of us have this perspective of God that he's like holding your dreams, uh, on like, a carrot like dangling in front of you. Um, and that he either like gives it to you or he doesn't, but really he's walking with you as you're suffering. And he's also saddened by the things that you're saddened by. Um, so that was a big changing point for me was that God's with me in this, not against me. Lillian, I love your story. I love what you have created and the gifts that God has given you. And you are just going to help so many women. And know I will be praying for you. Um, where can people find um, you and your book? Just everything about you right now. Oh, thank, well, thank you so much. I had an amazing time talking to you. You can find me on Instagram at Lillian underscore Fallon. And you can find Theology of Style at ascensionpress.com forward slash Theology of Style. Also, I'm on YouTube with Ascension Presents. And if you just Google or search in my name, a lot of videos about Theology of Style will come up so you can get a little like teaser trailer on what the book is about. Ladies, she is a walking, breathing, living example what God can do with you if you just say yes and you live out of your gifts. And Lillian, you are doing that. So thank you. God bless you. And thank you for being here at Women Made New. Thank you. Thank you.